Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gage Thin Podcast. A weekly podcast where me, your host, Petra Pat Silvers, breaks down a Nicholas Cage film, sometimes with a guest, sometimes on my own. This week, however, is a little bit of a mix-up of things because it will be me on my own just talking about the film in general and then I will go over to an interview I did with the writer and an actor in this movie, Todd Farmer, who you may know wrote Jason X, a fantastic uh <laughs> reimagining of the Friday the 13th franchise where he put Jason Voorhees in space. Not only did he put Jason Voorhees in space, but in Drive Angry, he ripped Nicolas Cage out of hell on a revenge mission. Something that you could only see done in a Nicolas Cage movie. And especially in this time in Nicolas Cage's career, this is obviously... 2011 so this is just off of the back of season of the witch and sorcerer's apprentice and he's got this bleached blonde hair and this movie very much shows that blondes have more fun and this is it's a movie that knows what it is It, it very much wears its heart on its sleeve and lets you know that it is a b movie and it, it has no pretenses to be anything else but a b-movie and that's i commend it for that and i i I think like everybody knows you can see in the performances in cage's performance in just like the whole cast this is like fantastic breakout role for amber heard um she's just playing it as this kind of like gutter mouthed vulgar woman who is just fucking great and it's like it's violent it's nasty it's despicable but it all in those fun ways and just very much was made to be a 3d movie as well so this this came out in yeah 2011 which was that massive boom a lot of you would have remembered uh when real d became like a massive thing like every movie is 3d this 3d that whether it's animated but some some adult content was made in in the 3d realm and this was one of them and it is it is it's it's just fantastic to watch and it is it's it's really fun and i'm not just saying this because i've got todd on the show like i enjoyed this movie just for all the reasons i just stated because it knows it knows what it is and it's it's this story of milton channel this man with no name character who just 
from the get-go, he's just out, he's about, he's doing his thing, and he's after Jonah King, this satanic cult leader played by Billy Burke. And we realise throughout the movie that when Milton's daughter was killed by him, um, he took her daughter to be a sacrifice for Satan because Milton and his followers, not Milton, uh, <laughs> Jonah and his followers are very much this like satanic cult who think that they can bring about the Antichrist by sacrificing this soul. And Milton doesn't want any of that. But yeah, it very much plays in the ballpark as well. It's something that we see a lot later in Nicolas Cage's career in Mandy. Uh, something in the way of it plays with that thing of masculinity, and we, we we know this in this movie because Jonah has his genitals ripped off by Milton's daughter, um, which just really shows you like it, it. That for me just felt like a real big stab at the idea of just kind of what masculinity is and kind of like the fragility of it and just how how pathetic men in power can be. And um, obviously, this was filmed and written years and years ago but it's something that we see we see in the world a lot especially with like some of the world leaders that we have at the moment um but standout scenes for, for me in this like one that just like jumps to the forefront of my mind anytime i think about it is there is like a absolutely fucking crazy moment when we see Nicholas Cage having sex with this woman. She's 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 riding him. He is fully dressed, and this is something that me and me and Todd will mention. Is uh, he's he's fully dressed, and he's just like pumping away, and he has a shootout, and this shootout happens all the while whilst he's still having sex, and it's just it's just bananas. It's crazy. Um, to back up a moment, just kind of like give you the broad strokes of this plot. It is this a to b story as i said it's very much it knows what it is it, it it just follows this simple plot of this revenge mission but with a twist because well no not really a twist because a lot of movies kind of have this trope as well he is being seeked by the police he is being seeked by the devil's own accountant played by billy fickner who is again fantastic chewing the scenery every time he's on screen and he's just having such fun with it, as much as Cage, as much as Amber Heard, as much as all the cast, even even Todd Farmer himself, who pops up in this as Frank um, Piper's ex-girlfriend, played by Amber Heard. And everybody is just balls to the wall. And we get like amazing cameos in this. We get Todd Atkins um, from Halloween season of The Witch. He plays this kind of police commissioner, like chief who there's this great scene on a highway where like cage is barreling down with amber heard in the car and he's like remember to aim for their like aim for their tires and it's the way he says tires as well it's, it's the way that uh us british people pretty kind of tires it's like tires uh yeah he's saying aim for the tires and he's like when i say tires i mean their heads <laughs> and it's just this like it's, I don't know. It's just really like, again, tongues firmly in the cheek throughout this whole movie. Um, the way things play out, we get this amazing scene inside of a church when Milton kind of manages to infiltrate Jonah and his gang of fucking misfits. Almost like a kind of Red State-esque 
like cult, I guess, very much uh, like Waco style, just just very much like or Jim Jones drinking the Kool Aid, that that kind of cult. They would do anything for this, for this deranged egomaniac lunatic that is Jonah King. Um, he confronts him in a church and he gets his eye shot out. Like, what, what, yeah, one of the things with Milton is that he's just, he's indestructible. Like, nothing can kill him. And, like, he just, he's like the Terminator. He just gets up, he carries on, he gets shot, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes. And there's nothing that's stopping him. This movie starts with hellfire and brimstone and we... We, we we don't really know what's going on and then we get this scene of cage like just fighting these guys and it's brutal from the get-go it's like it it's just like visceral and gross and you can see the moments like unfortunately like this time watching it i saw it in the uh, cinema when it came out in 3d but this time you can see all the moments where like the 3d would have been just perfectly like as cheesy as 3D can be, it would have just been perfectly fun and fine to see it in that in that way. Just all the stuff you kind of miss the things that are coming out of you, and they 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 do they are very much wah, wah, they, they are um, they they are moments that like yeah like that was supposed to be in 3D. Um, so like other other moments in this film, there's like very bizarre moments. Like some some of the interactions with these characters are just like off the wall crazy, and it just adds to the tone of of the movie in a whole. And um, there's this moment very early on where Milton's in a diner where Piper works, and this is where we're introduced to Piper, and she's very like upfront and gobby and just like doesn't take any shit. But it's her like colleague. Milton has this like odd exchange for her and just ends up like kissing her and it's just like kind of like slightly like gross but like at the same time it's it's weirdly like it's sexy it's got this like sexy element to it I don't mean that in like a core I just mean like there's there's something about it just this kind of like b-movie grindhouse like this is very much in the grindhouse thing before uh, Tarantino and like or not even before but just kind of like without that like knowing wink wink nudge nudge that Tarantino Rodriguez does this is like this you can tell this is set out to be a grindhouse movie and you can tell like Cage knows it and he he's great in this like obviously a lot of these movies like and around this time this is just after like the financial problems that Cage started going through but it gave us a chance to see him in something like this. I know a lot of people look at this movie and might think, like, be turned off by it and be like, oh, he's, he's jumped the shark. Like, this movie jumps the shark from the first second and, like, it know, it knows it's doing it. So, like, I would massively uh, recommend it. And, like, I've got to talk about one, like, uh, a, a, a few other things. There's this thing called the God Killer Gun in this that's just this crazy old-timey looking gun that cage has and he's like he looks like he's, he's ripped it from the depths of hell and it, it can it, it when it goes off it fucking goes off and we see the kind of full potential of it at the end when he kills jonah king and he makes a line halfway through the movie which is great about um 
wanting to like drink beer from Jonah King's skull. And we see a payoff at the end when he eventually kills him and he like, gets ripped into this interdimensional nothingness and his like skull is cracked open and there's just this fragment of skull left, the perfect dome shape. And Milton uses it to drink a beer and it's like, yeah, by that moment, by that moment, if you're not at home or wherever you're watching this and just like kind of like that, yeah, fuck yeah, then then this this movie isn't for you. Um, I know this movie like critically and even on the box office didn't do too great. Like the budget for this was 50 million and it only grossed 28.9 million. But I think this is, and I, I, I say this in so many episodes of this podcast, a lot of these like fun ones and a lot of like the good stuff that Cage has done, people kind of discount because they, they see him as this joke and I think it's a real shame. And I may, I may even mention this in, in, in the interview later, um, but I'd really, I really recommend this. And I know I'm being quite brief about what what happens in it, but I don't know. I really, I really want to get onto the interview with, with Todd I feel like that's more of the shining thing I don't I don't have a regular guest for this one and it's more of a shining beacon of this episode is the is the interview with Todd but before I do that obviously I need to tell you about Anagram and we're over to my friend at Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter on Twitter who provides me every week with an Anagram who I can kind of like see whether it gives me a little information about the movie that that, that I've watched and and whether it rings rings true. And I think you know my opinion of this movie because I've already just said it's fun, it's it's silly, it knows it knows what it's all about, and yeah. Drive angry this week's anagram is very daring. And I'd go with that. This is daring. This is Cade kind of going out on a whim. And, well, not a whim, but, like, is this Cade doing something daring? And that it is it is knowingly schlocky and B-movie. And it's all the better for it. And it's daring in just how, like, how sexual it is, how violent it is, how just kind of gross it's willing to go. Um, and just, yeah... To have your villain, like, known to, like, have his dick ripped off. Just even that imagery, like, to have your lead character have sex and then, like, have a shootout with it. And just people's limbs getting cut off. People, like, the, the main character gets his fucking eye blown out. And that is, like, that is, like, a kind of centerpiece for this movie. Like, cars are destroyed. Like, a comparison with this movie, weirdly, it's... It reminded me of the Blues Brothers because it's kind of got this like man on a mission against the odds and he's kind of got the police after him. He's kind of got all these different factions. As it goes on, he's getting more and more people pissed off of him and trying to track him down. And yeah, it's very much in that vein, but just straight grindhouse, straight schlock, jock greatness. Like, and I, 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 I know those terms can probably sound to a lot of people like, oh, turn them off. But like, I, I would, I would highly recommend this movie. Uh, I'm sure at a later date, I will revisit this and do a kind of like full breakdown about it. But with this interview, I just kind of want to um, let you guys hear that. And 
yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll go on over to to me and me and uh, Todd talking. This is like a fragment of our conversation. Obviously, I I did a full like kind of career retrospective with Todd, but at a later date, I'll release the whole thing. So enjoy enjoy this this part of it, kind of focused on Cage and Drive Andrew. mentioned uh patrick lucier who obviously directed uh, a film i very much want to talk about which is uh the nicholas cage starring drive angry um which you get a fantastic ass kicking in that movie uh is it always your your choice to write yourself in or is it just a perk of the job like it was just a fluke i mean on it started on Jason X. In college, I I did a bunch of theater. Yeah, yeah. And um, so then I think Sean asked me during Jason X. He said, "Do you want to play a part?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." And he was like, "You can play one of the grunts because the the military guys." And I was <laughs> like, "Yeah." So I chose Dallas because he had the biggest role, and I'm a <laughs> dick. So it seemed like the the way to go. And so then years later, when we did Patrick and I did uh, Bloody Valentine. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, there was a there was a role in that that was a it was a sex role, but it was also a, a lot of special effects involved. And though being around the business anytime at all, you know that those those are the two hardest things to shoot. And the studio wanted to hire a local guy from Pennsylvania. And there's probably a billion great actors in Pennsylvania, but I was worried because I knew we were on a tight budget. It was 3D, and it was kind of new 3D, and we didn't know you know we didn't know how it was going to go and. Yeah. And and so I was complaining about it, and Patrick said, "Yeah, I know. Would you do it?" And so <laughs> that's how I ended up doing Bloody Valentine. And then when we when it came time to do Drive Angry, the character was basically an homage to Drive Angry's character. It was the same name. It was you know, he's still a dick. It's basically <laughs> the same character, but uh, he keeps dying and coming back. Spoiler. So in regards to Drive Angry, what was the genesis of that? Because as an outlooker, like I had to, I had to like look it up and be like, "This feels like it could be based on some kind of like graphic novel." But it's 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 from your twisted mind, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was. You know, the the old um, Grindhouse, Race mm. with the Devil. It was those kind of movies that. Um, what we had done is we we made this three D movie, and it was a big success. Yeah. And we were like, well, what do we follow that with? What what else could be filmed in 3D that would be cool? And we thought, well, what about a car movie? And so that's really where it that's where it started. The idea originally was uh, Tom Atkins, and it's, it, it's, I didn't mean to wear the shirt on purpose, but yes, <laughs> Tom Atkins, and uh, and Betsy Rue, who was in Bloody Valentine. What we thought we would do is just make this little dirty movie for like five million for you know. For yeah. a very low budget grindhouse movie, and um, the idea was we thought because we thought My Bloody Valentine would be successful, and so two weeks before it came out, we pitched it to Lionsgate, and with the idea, we will make you the sequel that you want, but we want it on the side when we're done. We'll go shoot this little movie called Drive Angry, and uh, and then the movie came out was a huge success. Valentine came out huge success. And we never, they never called us. <laughs> and so we ended up writing the script on our own. We went out with it. And, you know, it became a, a different monster at that point. 
especially when Cage got involved. Yeah. So when when did Cage come like on board? Was that was that something that was written into the script, or did, well, were there changes once he came on board? There were changes when he came on board, uh, <laughs> but not. Um, but like, basically, his changes, like. Mm-hmm. Like he would be on set and he would make changes yeah, to his dialogue, yeah. that kind of change. We didn't rewrite the character or rename the character or do anything different. Um, when we wrote it, I mean, we wrote it out of frustration because suddenly 3D had become this huge thing and we weren't getting any jobs because people were, were saying 3D was a fluke, but at the same time, everybody was suddenly doing it. And so we wrote this script, we'd had this idea, which, and um, it was sort of High Plains Drifter part High Plains Drifter, part road movie. And um, we wrote it, went out with it, and we got a lot of really good press on it. Like we had a lot of, of producers very interested. And we met with all these different producers and we'd go in and we'd say, what do you want to do? And they would give us their notes. And then we'd go to the next producer and we were about to make a decision. And then one of the agents called up and said, you know, what? you got to meet with Mike DeLuca. Mike DeLuca had ran New Line back when I did Jason X. And so I you know, Mike DeLuca greenlit my very first movie. So we went, we met with him and it was like love at first sight. I mean, it was, I, I've, he was quoting lines. He was, we were like, what do you want to do with it? He said, well, you know, what, you know, what, what do you want to do? What notes do you have? Cause everybody else had notes. And he was yeah. like, go shoot it. <laughs> he was great. And so, you know, when you have somebody like Mike DeLuca, he picks up the phone and calls Nicholas Cage. Cause they were doing, they were doing something together. I can't remember what movie it was. Um, they had just wrapped something. And so he, maybe it was Ghost Rider. I can't remember what Mike was on, but, um, but he called Nick and Nick read until the uh, part in the, it wasn't a church at the time, but where he gets shot in the eye. And he called DeLuca and said, I'm in. <laughs> he said, I've always wanted to get shot in an eye. I mean, that was his reasoning. I always wanted to get shot in the eye. Yeah. I read somewhere that he had actually said that, like he wanted that for season of the witch. And then obviously like, yeah, I see. I seem to remember that. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a fascinating guy, and that—that is oh, yeah. an amazing reason to take yeah. a role. In that I've always wanted to be shot in the eye, yeah. and there's a whole host of other things that were written into the script that are just um, amazing to look at. This film, to me, it feels like it jumps the shark in the first five seconds, and then yeah. carries on jumping the shark, yeah. all for the best throughout the movie. Um, yeah. In regards to like the writing of it, were you just like, let's see how far we can push things in certain regards? Because it's it's bloody, it's like to some degree. I mean, we we sort of bickered over we sort of bickered over the, the basic concept because we first talked about Nick Cage escapes from prison because this cult has has his his granddaughter yeah. and killed his daughter and took his granddaughter. And and I suggested, well, what if we do, what if he's breaking out of hell? And Patrick was like, no, no, no. Then you got to see him break out and you got to set it all up. And I was like, no, no, no. High Plains Drifter. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. So that's what we wrote. We wrote High Plains Drifter so that at no point in the movie does anyone ever say he broke out of hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just did that when they released the trailer. And I was just like, wow, guys, why would you... That's like putting Uber Jason on the, oh, wait, they did that too. <laughs> but I mean, I used to joke, it's like putting the penis in the crying game on the poster. And it's just, why would you do that? And I mean, they did it. That's the, that's the only regret. Otherwise, I actually think it's a really good story. I, it, it didn't change very much. Like I said, uh, 
him getting shot in the eye, we moved that into a church because the weather was going to be bad and we just simply didn't have extra time. So we had to do some rewrites, you know, on the ground. But, you know, that I thought that was great. I still think it's one of my favorite experiences because I've never been in a, a position where we had money to throw at a movie. But in this one, we had nothing. And so we we had to think around every obstacle mm-hmm. we were we rewrote when we had to rewrite. We weren't rewriting because we were we were getting stupid notes or anything like that. We wrote rewrote because we we wanted to keep making the movie. And I think it made for a much better film. There are elements that seem cheaper than they should probably, but and we didn't have any control over that. But um, other than, you know, the whole Nick Cage being from hell thing being, you know, put on the trailer and and the poster, I really think it's a great. I just think if you had were watching the movie, everybody would have figured that out at different yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would have been much more fun. But well, just me. <laughs> well, you got obviously the wish that Tom Atkins is in the movie as well. He and is he, he is fantastic. Like, he'll, um, be in, he'll be in every movie that we do that he wants to be in. Amazing. Yeah, I, I've loved him ever since I saw him in um Halloween free, the much yeah. underappreciated Halloween free. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's a, uh, it is a favorite of mine. So you mentioned, um, yeah, Ghost Rider. I very much look at this as kind of like a spiritual sequel to the Ghost Rider. And obviously with your sensibility, I almost fit, cause I always look back to Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance and speaking to one of the directors mm-hmm. of that, like thinking of what that could have been, obviously, Mm-hmm. given the kind of treatment yeah. that Drive Angry had of being hard R, and especially like Nicolas Cage is willing to go to those places. Like yeah. in Drive Angry, we get a scene, I, I don't think I've ever seen it before, uh, of a gunfight whilst a man has sex uh, yeah. with a woman, which is just like, as a viewer, that's what I mean about the jumping the shark, and it's all for the best. I love yeah. how just kind of, disgusting and vulgar this film will be and just like it's got its tongue very firmly in its cheek and oh very much so no no knows what it is and that's that's a that's a great that's a great thing to see in cinema like i mean patrick and i at the time i lived about six hours north of los angeles so Mm -hmm. our our sessions would be google chat we would just be typing back and forth to each other and Every now and then, one of us have a really great idea, and like the whole shooting Nick, Nick in the eye thing, that was. Uh, I just I sent Patrick a chat saying I just had an idea. It may be stupid as hell, but I'm going to try it. And so I wrote it, sent it to him, and he was like, "I love it." Same thing happened when I was writing the shootout scene. He called me. He knew I was on that scene. He called me and he said, "All he said was they never stop fucking." <laughs> I was like, "I got to call you back." And I just said that because I mean that changes everything. And then uh, and then on set the day I think it was the day that we were shooting. Nick Nick informed everyone I'm not taking my clothes off. And we were like <laughs> what? The actress was like what? And so he was like, this guy would not take his clothes off. He knows the fight's coming. He knows they're there. He's seen them. He's not going to put himself in that vulnerable situation. And I was like, because he wasn't doing it for selfish reasons. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Nick, Cage is afraid to take his clothes off. He loves taking his clothes off. <laughs> it was story. It was character. And I was like, you know what? I can't argue that. That's a that's a brilliant idea. So he did it. It, it adds yeah. to the kind of surrealness of that scene as well. Like, obviously, yeah, his reasoning for the fights was coming. But as a viewer, it's just like, this is like, 
this is all the batshit that I want to see as yeah. like a kind of grindhouse movie. And um, yeah. so, yeah, speaking like speaking of uh, you, you acting in stuff uh, like does that change? Does that change? Obviously, in regards to writing, are you are you on set a lot on the stuff that you write? Like, especially with, this and Jason X, were you kind of Jason X? No, with no. Jason X, I was I was only there for the first yep. the first week, and that was because I shot my scenes the first week, and then I <laughs> left, and then later I came back to do some sort of rewrite, but I was cooped up in a hotel the whole time. But uh, and I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you. What was the rest of the question? Oh, just like uh, with, with Drive Angry, were you were you were you like were you on were you on set for it? Because obviously you wrote that as well. Or, or, like you're yeah, in that um, and you wrote it. Like on Drive Ang- Angry, Patrick wanted me to be on set, mm-hmm. and so he specifically had to go to bat to get the producers to agree to have me on set. And you know, I had to. It was one of those things where it was, I guess, sort of humiliating in that I was there, but I was. You know, I was, everybody gets per diem when you're on set, which basically you get food money for, for yeah. the time that you're there. My food money was at a much lower rate. My hotel was a much lower rated <laughs> hotel. I mean, they let me go, but it wasn't like I was treated like royalty. I, you know, I was, I was not uh, staying with everybody else. I was, but I mean, I was still with the crew. It's just, I wasn't, you know, normally yeah. the writer would be with the director and actors and I wasn't. But I didn't care. I got along with a crew break, and so I, uh, it bothered it bothered people around me more than it bothered me. I was just happy to be there. But um, but it certainly, I think it's certainly if you get along with your director and you understand your role as a writer once the movie goes into production, because Patrick and I are writing partners and we're on that movie. But when it, we went into production, he's the director, he's yeah. the boss, and so it is my job not to argue with him, but to make sure his vision. Yeah happens and so i think a lot of a lot of people don't understand that and patrick's not one of those directors that'll go out maverick so i trusted him and and that's what made our relationship work but it's nice to be there because like nick showed up day one he knew every line of dialogue and he immediately found me and said look i was thinking about and he's he had a little uh script that's about this big and he's like i'm thinking about changing this and changing this and what do you think about this and I was just like, dude, this is, you have to make it your own. Yeah. And from like, from obviously the perception Nicolas Cage has to like the outer world, obviously in the last five or six years, he's kind of become this like online meme. I don't think a lot of people realize these kind of like smaller stories like that. Like many, many story I've, I've managed to like find out is that, even to table reads, he will come, he will know the script like the back of his hand. He's not just oh, taking yeah. these roles for some mm-hmm. kind of like paycheck. Like the the guy is in it and he, he very much has like, you, you see it in roles like Drive Angry, um, like even, even yeah, like the stuff he's, he's picking now. Obviously, we've had like news this week that Nicolas Cage is going to play Joe Exotic in a CBS mm-hmm. like TV show. Yeah. And it's like, he he is he like I, I yeah i hate to think that people like write him off and like it's amazing hearing that that like he's there he's willing to put it in you can see it on screen like yeah. he plays the straight man in this despite how bonkers everything is he plays it fantastically well and like yeah. was 
was that how it was on the page? You obviously cited High Plains Drifter. Was it like, you, was that a note that was given to him by 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 you guys at all? Or? I mean, it was, no, not really. I mean, it was in this, everything that was in the script, he kept. It's not like he changed yeah, yeah. it, but he would, he would, I did the same thing when, when I, when I was playing Frank, I mean, I wrote it, but I would be on set. I would, in my head, I, I'm speaking the lines and that didn't sound right. I would change lines. I mean, it's just, I've never been a princess when it came to the, to the script because yeah. when an actor comes in, this is stuff that's just coming out of my head. You have to make it your own. Yeah, of course. Um, with Amber, I mean, Patrick used to joke, Amber's just me with, with boobs. And, <laughs> and it's kind of true because it was just, I wrote her kind of, um, not gross, but um, she's foul. She's, yeah, sure, yeah. she's she talks dirty. She talks like she talks like a guy in a lot of ways. And um, and but Amber came on and just she just nailed it. She well, just yeah. became that role. It's very much like a breakout role for for Amber Heard, like you saying. Mm -hmm. Like I I remember I worked in a movie theater at the time this came out. Uh, a big multiplex. I saw it in three yeah. D. It was again. It seems like touchstones in my life. Ten years old, Jason X, saw the front cover. That's great. The the burgeoning of twenty, uh, yeah, my early twenties. Drive Angry came out. I was like, that's that that's a that's yeah. a big slice of me. Um, so yeah, before before I let you go, um, Todd, just wanted to. I always I always ask this. Obviously, I'm not I'm not looking for real dirt or anything like that. But Nicholas Cage is a man who is known for for having having a having a few stories that people people have always have that cage story do you do mm. you have do you have do you have a cage story of your own i know a lot of them aren't very uh unable to share should i say it's no i mean there's nothing i can't share it's uh it's interesting that going into this we were a little nervous because because of those stories and yes. you never know which stories are true and which are blown out of proportion you just don't know and so he but what happened was he had all of that tax stuff happen before he showed up mm -hmm. so he was and he even joked about there's a there's a scene when he's got a gun and he holds up some money in front of it and he made the joke you know these days i have to keep my money in, inside and uh <laughs> you know when he was he was just he was just absolutely great he's different he is, and by different, I don't mean his personality is different. I mean his, the way he must live his life is different from the rest of us. Oh, he yeah. can't, he can't go to a Target. He can't go to a, a Walmart or a, or um, oh, you're in the UK, so yeah, yeah, no, 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 we 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 we've all ingested enough uh, US uh, like pop culture to to know all those touch points. Don't worry. But he he can't go to Marks and Spencer's. Not going to happen. <laughs> Because he'll get mobbed. But we did um, about midway through the shoot. We went to we were we were shooting in Shreveport, Louisiana, mm -hmm. which is middle of nowhere, Louisiana. And it's um, there. They had a really nice restaurant. You know, the nicest steakhouse you can go to. So it was Nick, DeLuca, Patrick, and myself go one night. And we were there for. You know, we went in. We ordered a couple of drinks. We ordered our food several different courses i think maybe one course had shown up and people would come up and they would ask for an autograph or 
you know, say, oh, I really like your movies. And it was pretty constant. I mean, we'd talk for maybe two, three minutes, somebody would walk up. Mm -hmm. He was always an absolute gentleman. He was sweet. He signed autographs. But the longer we were there and the drunker everyone got, <laughs> suddenly the entitlement showed up. So they were like, hey, talk to my wife. Uh, and he'd shove a, shove a phone in Nick's. And, and then all of a sudden we were just, it was like the Beatles. We were just swamped. It's like everyone else saw this happening and thought, oh, I'm going to get in there. <laughs> and so he looked so unbelievably uncomfortable. He immediately stood up and he's like, okay, guys, well, so, I mean, that, so that's it, right? So we, we, we'll just wrap this up. And the rest of us were all like, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. And so we took him out to the parking lot where his driver was waiting and he, and he left. And so we all, st we all stood there and said, well, let's go get the food to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went back to my cheap ass hotel room with my food and Nick Cage's food and I ate both. Well, that, that that's a fantastic story. So, um, yeah, before, before I let you go, one last thing, do you have like, what, what, what's coming up for you? Do you have any like writing projects you're working on or anything like that? Obviously it's a hard time for everyone and everything yeah. kind of in kind of limbo yeah. at the moment, but the, uh, the biggest thing for me right now, I mean, we finished Trick last year, mm -hmm. uh, just a small slasher film. And then uh, I've got two, I've got a, an, another, well, I guess you'd call it a monster movie that we're going to film in Ireland, Amazing. Northern Ireland. And then uh, there is a, uh, there's a, a, a movie outside of my genre, a, a, a rock biopic that, uh, that I'm working on. And then there's um, there's a true crime movie that we just closed everything on. The script's already written, which will shoot up uh, Northern California. So there's three things that I mean, it just depends on when everything yeah. opens back up. Now, for those three things that are moving forward, there are of course probably two dozen things that are in different stages of development because you have to write a billion things in order to get one thing made. But uh, those are the th those are the three that are the, the furthest along. It's, you know, as soon as we're all well and not getting sick anymore well amazing i look forward to obviously finding out what those projects are when they do surface and i'm sure in the meantime me and my listeners will be trying to guess who the rock biopic is of obviously i imagine you can't you can't you can't really say but uh <laughs> <I would laughs> no, worries. no worries we will we will speculate and then uh i'm sure i'm sure if someone when it is announced someone will claim the victor and oh, of course. Uh, they will feel validated well it's been fantastic talking to you Todd uh, thank, thank you very you. much for your time um, I'll let you get on with your day and yeah it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you alright well thank you for joining me in my uh, tool shed no worries thank you for joining me in my just shed shed <laughs> <laughs> alright take care see ya There we go, guys. There was the interview with Todd Farmer. What an amazing guest. Uh, just, it shows you, like, well, no, actually, you won't hear how he got into the industry. As I said, this is just a, an edited down version of the interview. The full interview, I'm thinking of putting up on my Patreon site so people can listen to it now. And at a later date, I will just release it anyway onto the main page. But if you want early access to that, yeah, just go over to patreon.com. Uh, that's P. A T R E O N dot com forward slash caged in pod, and you can find that. I'll probably put that in like one of the lowest tiers. Just yeah, I've got a load of interviews that I've recorded and stuff like that. I might just start putting them out over there before I kind of share them on the main page and stuff like that. Just a little something for 
the guys who want to support the podcast and stuff like that and you don't even have to support the podcast if you don't want to if you just want to like chat to me on social media and stuff like that you can find me at uh, instagram uh at just my name actually it's just petros patsilovis underscore on instagram and I'll, I'll i'll throw that in the show notes as well as uh, twitter and facebook which is at caged in pod and i'm always up for having a chat or you can drop me an email which is caged in pod at gmail.com and yeah let's let's get cagey let's get weird together let's just talk about like what you thought of drive angry or, or what you think of any of the movies or just what, what you think of cage in general good or bad i, I don't mind like uh, i've said many times on this podcast so i didn't like go into this as a cage fan over time i've kind of developed a respect for the guy i'm not just like fanatical like i love nicholas cage it's just more of a thing of like i get what he's trying to do he's trying to he's trying to entertain us and i think a lot of the time that is what he does so like how how, how can you knock the guy and um yeah, before, before before I wrap this whole show up, I'd just like to ask you guys, if you could leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. But instead of just a review, I want to do something a little bit different. I want you to kind of write what is your favourite Nicolas Cage movie and why in, in, in the review. Let, let's do it like that and any of the best ones I'll read out on the podcast, kind of shout you guys out and stuff like that. I, I don't want to just read out like your reviews because that feels a bit like gross and self-serving and being like look how great i am whereas like i'd like to know your kind of personal experiences whether it's the first whether it's your favorite just if there's like a funny or interesting story around either of those yeah just just throw it in in that and obviously the more people who leave reviews and like ratings and stuff like that this can go out to more people and obviously like that would be great for me but like I don't know. I don't know. If you enjoy it, I'm sure you would like to share it with other people. And if you do, yeah, please, please do share it, even if it's not in the digital realm, even if it's just saying to someone, hey, I think you would enjoy this podcast. That would be amazing. Just, um, yeah, I like to feel validated. So rate and review. As always, guys, I've been Petrus Patsilovis. You've been amazing, and we're all we're all caged in right now. No matter like whether whether the the kind of news out there is cloudy or misjudged, or we we don't quite know what's going on. We are all caged in, so I, I extend my arms out to you as we're all we're all caged in together. And, and and just just if you think like we like other yeah, you think you've got it bad just being stuck at home. At least you're not ingesting every Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> okay. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, a Town Limerie, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.